welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, and I am grateful to be joined by Dasha Ham. And Dasha is one of our social workers here at Lifeline. But before she uh, was here at Lifeline as a social worker, uh, her story is a, a life that was changed. And so I am excited about you getting to hear more about Dasha Ham's story and how the Lord uh, took her from the country of Ukraine to now a social worker married for five months with her husband uh, here today on December 11th, 2019. But before we do, we wanna remember that we are in the month of December. And as we look at the month of December, we are at during our Change One Life campaign, where we are focusing on the areas of ministry to see how one life has been impacted and changed through the ministry of Lifeline. There are 153 million orphan and vulnerable children around the world. And if we look at that number and, and we try to say, how can we make change? How can we make a difference in such a, a vast need, in such a, a large number of children? We wanna take the month of December and whittle that down to one story, to one life, and to one work. So you can know that when you participate with Lifeline and financially participate with Lifeline, that you are in getting involved in changing one life. So help us change one life at a time. And if you wanna get engaged with Lifeline's year in campaign, go to lifelinechild.org backslash change O-N-E, life. So change one life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change one life. I'm grateful, like I said, to be joined by Dasha Ham. And Dasha, as we just get started, would you mind just sharing about your life before adoption? So one of the things I didn't say in your introduction is you were adopted by the Grace family and you were a teenager. Uh, when you were adopted. So talk about what life was like before adoption. Before I was adopted, my life seemed normal. I didn't know that I was missing anything, to be honest with you. Um, I was in an orphanage. I went to school and had friends. Um, and so to me, it didn't really seem out of ordinary that I didn't have a family. And honestly, I didn't really know that I needed a family at the time. And let's let's even real quick uh, talk about orphanages in Ukraine, because most people that are listening to this podcast have never been to an orphanage mm -hmm. in Ukraine. And as you and I both know, they're really called internats in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> and and not every child there is lacking biological family or without family. You know, many of the kids are there for seasons. They're schooling. Uh, I mean, really, in a sense, the internats, internats in Ukraine uh, are, are like a boarding school as such. Mm -hmm. So there's friends, there's school, mm -hmm. there is a community that's there. Talk about what it felt like to live amongst all of these kids? Um, because I didn't know anything different, it was honestly kind of fun to be around friends all the time. And I had caregivers that were kind and um, my memories are pretty happy. I don't really have any, of course it was an orphanage and it wasn't a family setting. So I didn't have two parents that cared for me, but I had a caregiver that cared for maybe 20 kids. and. Mm. To me, that was enough because I didn't know anything else. Yeah, and, and just again, you know, in Ukraine, really there's a there's a good system of taking care of children through these internat system. But the, the the fallacy is what happens 
when these children are now on their own and they age out of the system. And so uh, share about how you came to know your parents, Chris and Gina Grace, and, and, and your adoption story. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to come to America for a hosting program. And um, when I was here, I met a lot of people, a lot of new people every day. And um, my parents were just some of those people that I met and they didn't really stick out in my mind. I didn't really think much of them. Um, but then when I went back to Ukraine, I heard that they were wanting to adopt me. Um, and so we talked on the phone and exchanged letters for two years during that time. Um, it was a long time, but we did use that time to just get to know each other a little bit more. And um, yeah. So talk about even some of the things that, so you, you, you mentioned, you know, you didn't really feel like you needed a family. You didn't feel like you were missing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you come and you find out you're being adopted. And I, what are what are you thinking when you get those letters? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, because you're you're like, you know, my life's not bad. You didn't you didn't think you were missing anything. I mean, you gotten this opportunity to go in a hosting, and it was fun. And and it, you know, but what are you thinking? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Uh, was there any thought of man? Do I even want to do this? I so. I was excited to just come to America and to live in America. Just um, the sound of that was exciting and all the new freedoms, all the fun things of America just were exciting. I had no idea what it looks like to be part of a family. And during my hosting time, we stayed in a big house and we um, had many things given to us. So it was very different from being in a family. So my expectations were definitely unrealistic. And even the photos that I saw of my family they were at the beach or doing fun things. So that's kind of what I imagined my life would be like. And so you come to the United States and you learn, I gotta go to school. Yeah. <laughs> I have responsibilities to be a part of this family. What are those feelings at first? Like, yeah. I mean, was there even kind of this, this is not what I bargained for? Yeah, I, there are many times you can ask my mom and my dad that I would say, just take me back. Like, I don't wanna be here. This is not what I thought it would be like. I just want to go back because um, there were a lot of rules that I had to follow, a lot of a lot of things that I didn't have before, and a lot more um, just things that I didn't really expect, honestly. So it was hard. And I know even there were clashes at times, but mm -hmm. knowing your parents, I know one thing is they never stopped praying for you, mm -hmm. and they never stopped loving you, uh, and and that really made a difference over mm -hmm. time. And then you ended up going on a trip that kind of even put everything into perspective when you and your mom got to go on a mission trip to Uganda. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that trip. And, and the Lord was already doing things in your heart before that trip, but how that trip just solidified things in your life. So my dad has been to Uganda before and he just loved it. And during that time is kind of where he felt the Lord leading him to adopt. And so um, when this opportunity came through our church and with Lifeline, um, my dad was like, you guys have to go. This is going to be so much fun. Um, and so at first we really didn't think that we could afford to go, but we saved and we were able to go. And at the time, my mom's and I relationship wasn't that great. Um, but I, I think that trip really strengthened our relationship and brought us together and opened my eyes to the world outside of where I was and helped me to see that there are kids out there that won't get families. And it also helped me to see the unadopted part of Lifeline and how they do um, strive to equip and 
just prepare these kids that will have to live out of orphanages or foster care or um, what, wherever they are, but just equip them and give them resources and um, help them to live on their own. And many that are listening to this podcast obviously don't have the privilege of, of getting to know you and your family the way that I've got to watch your family. And, and I think even for Dasha may not even understand how much that I was praying for you uh, as your parents would just send me things to be praying for you and your family and just such a such an awesome thing to see what the Lord has done with your life. But you are, you're a strong, capable young lady. You, you could have done anything, but talk about really how has your life changed because of your adoption story and, and because of your family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it changed in every way. <laughs> I got a new name and had to learn a new language and had to learn how to live in a new culture. And um, all of those things were not easy, but those are just small things that changed. But even in a bigger sense, my life changed because I had I have a mom and a dad and two siblings and um, great extended family. And because of their love and support, um, they have encouraged me to do hard things like go to college and go to grad school and just push myself um, to do what they know that I'm capable of doing. And my worldview also changed because it showed me how I can love others and it taught me how to love others. Um, because of their love for me. And then even in a greater sense, my parents' devotion to the Lord and their constant mentoring of my soul. Of my soul, um, I heard the gospel and now have a personal relationship with the Lord. And so my life did just flip completely. Um, and so I am forever grateful for the gift of adoption because of all of these changes. And then your life changed five months ago when you changed your name yeah. again. <laughs> Uh, because now you're married yes. and and that is such a such a picture of God's grace too because obviously you have never met this man if you'd been mm-hmm. in Ukraine right. um, and so what a what a great story of the way God's used this in your life Dasha even even before we talk about your role at Lifeline you've had a front row seat and like you said it you didn't know what you were missing you, you didn't know what you didn't have mm-hmm. But if someone today was saying, I want to pray for those children in Ukraine, what are ways that people could really be praying for the children of Ukraine? Yeah, I think a lot of them probably will um, end up without families and end up just doing what they know or what's easy to get money and to support themselves. But I think the biggest thing that they need is honestly the gospel and just the hope of Jesus and so I think we could just pray for that um, because we, you know, even a family is not enough and all the riches in the world are not enough, but the gospel is enough. So we can just pray that each of them will hear the gospel and people would be willing to go and share the gospel with them there. And um, they would be willing to accept and just for the Lord to do great things through that. In the, the area where Dasha originally lived, there also uh, is a little small evangelical church that has, uh, over the last several years, been really making inroads to try to get into that internet and to mm-hmm. love on those children. So so pray specifically yeah. uh, for Pastor, Pastor Nicholas and his family as they are continually trying to minister to these children. And Ukraine is such a, a beautiful country. 
beautiful people, uh, lovely, lovely place. And so uh, just pray for Ukraine. Um, and, and I know many have seen Ukraine as well in the news as, as Russia has, has been invading Ukraine. And, and of course, impeachment, uh, talking about Ukraine as well. But this country is such a, a rich nation and the people are such a beautiful people. And, and do pray, pray that families would become whole again so that kids wouldn't have to go to orphanages for sure. So that should, you, you graduate, you go on this trip, you're going to UAB, you're getting a social work degree. Well, actually you weren't getting a social work degree. Mm-hmm. What, what changed in your life to go, you know what, I think I want to be do social work. And then specifically, how did you decide, you know what, I think I want to go back to Lifeline mm-hmm. to serve? Yeah, going into college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to help others. And um, there are a lot of ways that I could do that. And so I had a I had chosen a major initially, but I ended up changing it because I wasn't confident in what I wanted to do with that. Um, and so I got to shadow one of the social workers at Lifeline. And as I saw what she did and the way that she served families, I just fell in love with this type of social work, with um, adoption social work. And so I went back to school and changed my major to social work and um, got a bachelor's in social work. And then during as I was working through school, I... Um, worked part-time at Lifeline as an administrative assistant. And so I got to see just a little bit more about Lifeline through that. And um, of course, I love the mission of Lifeline and um, what it stands for. And so because of that, I was really drawn to working at Lifeline. But really, as I was um, in school, there was no promises of a job or anything. And so after I graduated with a master's degree, I was offered a job as an, as an adoption specialist. Um, and of course, I happily accepted it. And so now I get to work with families um, who are obeying God's call to adopt. Um, and it really has been an honor to just come alongside people that are fully submitted to God's call to adopt. And it's not always easy, but they are just confident that this is what the Lord is leading them to do. So it it's been fun. It's been a fun little journey. And what a gift you are to us and to these families and also to these children that are one day going to come into these families. And uh, so it's, it's full cycle. And now you're a life that was changed. And now you're seeing and helping and, and, and helping other families see other lives that have been changed. So how, since, since being here at Lifeline, what are some things or, or maybe one particular way that you would say, I have seen change happen. So Lifeline has been a part of my life for a long time. And um, I've thought of it as an adoption agency and just that. But since working here, I've learned that it is so much more than that. They, well, we really strive to serve others well. And the birth mother counselors um, minister and love on and advocate for their birth, birth moms. And I've heard many great stories of um, many lives changed through that. And then also um, families count ministers to divided families and equips them to um, just be families and to know what that means and to know what what to do during hard times. And um, Lifeline also equips children around the world who will not be adopted. Um, they equip them to have life skills and resources to be able to live outside of their current situation. Um, And so since being here, I have seen many lives changed and I have seen um, many 
ways that Lifeline has been able to pour into people and to share the gospel with them and to just be the hands and feet of Jesus and to serve others as best as they know how to. What a what a beautiful cycle to see the way the Lord has used you and used your family uh, and now even your new family. Uh, and we are so grateful for Dasha. And I hope that as you listen to this podcast that you will see and hear a life that has been changed. Uh, again, taking that 153 million number that's so mind-numbing and so boggling and boiling it down to one life at a time. And there's there's not there's not any one of us that can do everything. There's not any one of us that can touch all 153 million orphans. You know, I have to even realize as I get up each and every day to lead this ministry that even Lifeline cannot reach out to every single orphan and vulnerable child and broken family and the lostness and the, the, the brokenness of our world, of our culture, and even of our neighborhoods. But through the, the partnership of the body of Christ, as we partner together around the world, and this is not just the United States body of Christ. This is us paying for Pastor Nikolai in Ukraine. This is us praying for Pastor Raphael in Uganda, where Gina and Dasha went on this mission trip. This is us praying for the global church to do something radical, to change one life, one life at a time, for the gospel and the glory of Christ to manifest this glorious gospel to orphan and vulnerable children. So I hope you have been able to see the impact of one life, and we would ask that you would participate this month in the month of December as we get ready to the year end Help us change one life at a time. And again, you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash change one life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change O-N-E life. Join us as we seek to change one life at a time to make a difference in the lives of the 153 million orphan and vulnerable children around the world. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.